vaccine crap and it just they won't let it go the media won't let it go and now what's really frustrating me to be honest is well look democrats and republicans they finally found an issue they can agree on and, and apparently that is the covid vaccine we've been hearing it kind of filter out over the past few days weeks so on and so forth you know, I talked last episode, we had Mitch McConnell giving a press, confer- press conference in which he, he came out and couldn't understand why Americans hadn't been vaccinated, told us that we needed to all be vaccinated, otherwise we, we would face the possibility of being shut down. So we've got him, who sounds exactly like a, a Democrat, and we've got a number of these people doing it, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That, that one... I like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but look, she, she, she came out, I believe it was on Fox News, and she's encouraging everyone to get the vaccine, but she's trying to relabel it. She's calling it, of course, the Trump vaccine. That's her big push, right? And I, under, I understand, look, I understand why these people are doing it, but I'm just sick of it because well, firstly, the premise that the unvaccinated are the problem in this country, well, one, it's not true, but it's also, it's sick and it misses the point. Because let me just put it this way. I mean, the, the, the way the media is pushing forward the narrative that all these Democrats and Republicans are happy to jump onto and be a part of, well, that narrative essentially is that we have problems uh, with spikes in cases now because of specifically those Americans who refuse or don't want to be to get the vaccination. That's essentially what they're saying. But, I mean, when you look at the facts and the data, I mean, one, it doesn't add up. You've got Iceland, for example. I was looking at a report from Reuters of their COVID updates. They do it for all the countries around the world. Iceland, they've got, they're approaching a 70% vaccination rate in Iceland. And now, despite their near 70% vaccination rate, they're averaging 73 cases that are being reported per day. And yeah, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but Iceland's a small country. Let me put it in context for you. So those 73 average cases that they're reporting right now, as it is, well, that is 85%. Of, of the peak of the pandemic. So in October, October 9th, 10th, that was the peak of the reported cases. And now here we are, what, July? Almost August? And nearly 70% of Iceland, people in Iceland, citizens there have been vaccinated. But they're now at 85% of that peak. So that doesn't compute. 
But the issue to me is this. So, so back to this narrative, right? So the narrative, essentially, the way it would play out, okay, let's, let's just play into this. Let's say, okay, fine, 100% of Americans get vaccinated. Let's just say that that's what we do. 100% of Americans are vaccinated. Well, we've already got these break, breakout cases, breakthrough cases of COVID. I just pointed to Iceland, for example. They're back to near where they were in terms of reporting cases in October of 2020 today, despite being vaccinated. And so, all right, 100% of the people get vaccinated. But then the cases continue to go up. There's hospitalizations again. What then? Okay? You know, the, the, the lockdowns, of course, were not based on, you know, your vaccination status. We didn't have the vaccine. The basis for that, well, we couldn't get accurate, authentic data. But, you know, it was, it was okay, the cases are going up, so we're going to lock down. Okay, 100% of the people are vaccinated. But cases are going up again. So by that criteria, they're going to have to shut us down again. I mean, by their logic and what they want to do, this is not about saving lives. This is not about COVID. It never was. It never has been. The media wants you and I to believe that, you know, getting the vaccine is the only thing that stands between us and our freedom. But that statement in itself is problematic. Because that suggests, of course which is the point that our rights aren't unalienable. They depend on vaccination status. And we're seeing now, of course, when the government can, they are now mandating vaccinations for their federal employee workforce. What is this obsession with getting vaccinated? I mean, this is so, it is so, it doesn't make any sense at all. And so anyway, to get back to these Republicans that are just driving me insane, if they, if they want to ruin their chances in 2022, this is the way to do it. They don't, they're not understanding their base. They're not understanding, well, you and I or me. Look, I, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not here to, to tell you that to condemn anyone who has been vaccinated. That's, that's not my point. Because for me as a conservative, I believe in freedom. I believe that is your choice. You take the information that is given to you. That's the problem too, by the way, right? We can't get any clear information, but that's, we'll get to that too. But you get the information and you make the best decision for yourself. I mean, fine. Okay. But I want to get into these Republicans. So well, let me play a clip first of the Alabama, the governor of Alabama. Um, Kay Ivey's her name. Now, <laughs> all right, I won't go there. I was going to try and describe her uh, physically, but you can, um, you can hear her voice and understand very well what she looks like. Uh, she is an older individual. It is possible, by the way, if you're imagining her, if uh, Nancy Pelosi had not had so much plastic surgery, I mean, it's possible that... that if Nancy Pelosi hadn't been so well-preserved with her operations, I mean, she could look like Kay Ivey. We'll never know. We'll never know. But here is Kay Ivey, okay? I want to play this clip and, and break it down. What is it going to take to get people to get shots in all this? I don't know. You tell me. Folks supposed to have common sense. And, but it's time for to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. But as a leader of the 
State, don't you think it's your responsibility to try and help get this situation under control? I've done all I know how to do. I can encourage you to do something, but I can't make you take care of yourself. And there you have Kay Ivy. She looks, her looks fit. Her, her looks fit her sound, her uh, her voice and, and how she sounds, folks. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. I don't mean to be mean. I really don't. I don't. But these people hate us, and uh, I'm sorry if, if I want to make fun of them a little bit because I'm tired of being called the problem in this country, and um, I'm tired of um, how condescending, well, these people are towards, well, me. And um, she does not sound, by the way, to throw a stereotype out there. I've got family in the South. I grew up in Texas. But uh, since we're playing this game, you know, she doesn't sound like a very enlightened individual, the kind of individual that I want to be taking my vaccine advice from. Um, Very disgruntled. Very, very, obviously, her voice is an octave lower than my own. Um, and she, she, she just doesn't sound like a very nice woman, does she? reminds you of, like, a grandparent, like, you know, or a great-grandparent. I don't know, you know the type who just, well, they would have grown up in the Great Depression and they were just hard people and had no empathy or sympathy whatsoever and, you know, this is the way it is or whatever else. Uh, but, of course, those folks believed in the Constitution and freedom. And um, this woman apparently, well, she's frustrated that we won't uh, do what, She's demanding we do because she's taking fire from the press, and that's what this is really about. But, you know, there you have her right to revisit. She says, you know, they ask her what it would take to get more people to take the vaccine. What would it take to get more people to get the vaccine? You know what I would have said? I would have said, you know, the chances of people uh, getting the vaccine would greatly improve if people like you, sir, who are asking me the question in the media, and the rest of the Democratic Party and everyone else weren't busy Well, condemning those individuals, attacking those individuals. And they would also probably be more likely to to get the vaccine if you could come out, come at them with rational thought and um, try and explain to them. But of course, they can't explain to us because I've been listening and I've been watching. And, well, I know that, that this COVID poses no great threat to me whatsoever. Anyway. But the reason, the reason this, let me explain it. This is, this is what my unique take on it. You know, I can wax on and off about this. I'm not trying to upset my audience. We don't need to get into the science and everything about, well, I'm not, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm not here to do that today. Maybe another time. <clears throat> but, you know, what I wanted to get into with my insight is, you know, why, why, are, these, why are these Republicans so, suddenly coming out you know, why is she, Kay Ivey there, why is she coming out and condemning uh, the unvaccinated? Why do they sound like Democrats all of a sudden? Well, this is why. They've been setting the table. The, the press, right? Here's the, here's the problem with the rhinos and, and, and the Republican Party. This is, why, this is why, well, they stall every time. Because they are out of touch with actual reality, right? So they live in this vacuum, apparently, where the leftist media and leftist politicians, CNN and so on and so forth, Twitter, well, they create this environment in which it looks like, well, everyone's upset at UK Ivy because, you know, the people here in Alabama aren't getting vaccinated to our satisfaction. 
And the CNN, this echo chamber, right? They've been coming out for a while now, and they're picking up day in and day out. You see it from Washington Post, from CNN, from the news, saying Republicans are essentially the anti-vaxxers. They're saying it's another lie, but the so they, the, the media is actually they are they are pushing forward. You know, they're saying Republicans are less likely to get vaccinated, and they're trying to lay the, the groundwork and framework to blame the Republican Party. And so the Republicans, of course, well, they just go on the defense. I mean, we know that the Republicans aren't anti-vaxxers. You have Kamala Harris, who, back during the vice presidential debate with Mike Pence, said she wouldn't get the vaccine if Trump told her to. So they were anti-vaxxers long before anyone else. But the media's, well, they're predictably and effectively, I don't know why, the Republicans don't get it at this point, but they've made them scared that they're going to be labeled anti-vaxxers if they don't come out in support of getting the vaccine. So that's one, one of, well, my theories anyway, is they're reacting to the media. They're trying to get ahead of something that they think could be problematic to their chances of re-election, etc., and then in Huckabee Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' case, you know, she's different. You know, these other Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Kay Ivey there, you know, they, they don't mention, they don't correct the media. They don't ever try to give Donald Trump credit for the vaccine, which is, which is the big point that's amazing in all this as well, right? I mean, the Republicans are the anti-vaxxers when it was a Republican, Donald Trump, who's responsible for creating the vaccine, not himself, but Operation Warp Speed. But but for Donald Trump, I can guarantee you there would be no vaccine. He moved mountains. He moved heaven and earth. Using our taxpayer dollars, by the way, which is a problem for me. But anyway, he moved heaven and earth to ensure that a vaccine came out as quickly as possible. I mean, it literally, it, it is a it is a miracle. I don't quite think that the vaccine works like a miracle, but the fact that they produced one, yes, it was a miracle in terms of, of the, the time frame. But Huckabee Sanders is out here pushing the, 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 pushing the vaccine, but she's calling it the Trump vaccine. And I understand this. You know, the reason she's doing this, I think, might be a little, little different because, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she's running for, for government there. She... You know, she was a, a, a devout loyalist of, of Donald Trump, and Donald Trump has, of course, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm searching for, folks? Um, well, he signed off on her for, for, for her bid for governor, I believe. Governor of Arkansas. That's what she's running for, the governor, to be governor of Arkansas and endorse. That's the word I was looking for. She has Trump's endorsement. So look, she's loyal to him. He's loyal to her. And just I, 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 imagine, imagine uh, Donald Trump, like I said, went through all of this, this effort, literally just worked overtime in this moment of crisis in America to do everything he could well, to fight off this virus, to defend the American people from this virus. 
to create this vaccine through Operation Warp Speed. And that is pure, that came out of his administration and his administration alone. And yet, no one gives him credit for this vaccine. Republicans, Democrats who praise this vaccine, they act like Donald Trump had nothing to do with it. And just imagine being him who, who, who really is the sole individual responsible for making, creating the scenario in which this miracle vaccine could come into being. And now Democrats are saying, you've got to get the vaccine. Everyone's celebrating the vaccine near unanimously in terms of the meeting and everything else. And, and they act like, well, it's, it's Biden's vaccine. And so, I mean, that would wear on me. That would drive me mad if that's how it's going to be treated. It's not surprising, but, you know, Donald Trump is as is, is strong and tough as he is. I mean, he's a human being, and that is um, that would get under anyone's skin. That would absolutely rile me up. That would tick me off like you can't imagine. And so that's why you've got Huckabee out here, I think, when she's promoting it, calling it the Trump vaccine. So you've got some people there who are, are offended, that are loyal to Trump, who want to use their time on the air to make sure that they can at least give him the credit that he does deserve um, for this. But the others, it's, it's a strategic decision, decision, like I said, because they fear the media. They don't want to be labeled as anti-vaxxers. When, when, when cases rise again, and they're going to rise again, it's happening. They're, they're laying the foundation right now. Well, they don't want to get blamed for what the, the, the media narrative going forward when the cases rise is going to say, well, the problem is, uh, is Republicans, it's conservatives. It's a bunch of Trump supporters who, who don't want to get the vaccine, refuse to get the vaccine. They're just totally political about this. And these Republicans, well, they didn't encourage it, and you've got blood on your hands, right? That's what we're going to say. This pandemic could have been over. This is the narrative that's coming. The pandemic could have was all but over except for those dirty, disgusting, stupid, um, well, self-serving, un-American Conservatives and Republicans who didn't get the vaccine. That's why we have this, this problem. So that's why these Republicans are coming out and getting on the record saying uh, we're for the vaccine. Um, they, don't want it to, they don't want this to become a, a campaign issue. But, you know, this should be a campaign issue if the Republicans were actually smart because, you know, this... Um, this... Um, well, I'm going to take a short break, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to get into because this has, has much bigger um, significance than just the vaccination shot and so on and so forth because really COVID is communism, all right? The way they're using this, what they're doing to us under the guise of public health, this is communism. If you want to understand what communism's like, well, you've got a window into it, and soon this will be everything affecting every aspect of your life. And it's important that we talk about that because I'm going to tell the Republicans, I'll whisper so maybe the Democrats don't hear, I'm going to tell the Republicans how they can actually use this to their advantage. They won't listen, but I'll still tell them. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. You know, Dr. Fauci, he's out there still. 
he, he's talking to the media saying, yeah, this administration is heavily considering a mask mandate for the vaccinated. So who is deterring the unvaccinated crowd from getting vaccinated? I mean, if there's no benefit to getting the vaccine, I mean, you know, maybe you just don't want to wear a mask anymore. And some, somebody's inclined to say, okay, well, fine, I'll get the vaccine so I can go back to my normal life. And here's Fauci saying, I mean, this is still totalitarian, but I'm just using their logic and where they're coming from. We've got Fauci and the Democrats saying, well, you know, if you're vaccinated now, you're probably going to still have to wear a mask to protect yourself. I mean, that doesn't inspire anyone to, to, to get vaccinated because your life doesn't change at all. You see the outbreak cases, breakthrough cases, every day reported, those six Democrats I talked about that you've probably read about, that got on a, on a private jet, the Texas Democrat legislators, all vaccinated, six of them tested positive for COVID. And then, of course, the argument changes, too. They say, oh, well, you know, um, you can still get COVID if you get the vaccine, but you're just not going to suffer the effects as badly. You see how it keeps shifting and changing and evolving and moving just so they can keep COVID in their back pocket to use as a weapon to their political advantage? And I have an article somewhere here. You've got a uh, African-American. Let me see. Is he, is he a mayor? Is he a mayor? Let me, let me look through my notes here because this was breaking even as I was... Um, preparing to come on and do this show. But you've got a... Hold on. Hold on one second. Let me find this. Okay, here's the headline. This is from the Washington Times, all right? Kansas City Mayor, Young Men of Color, Weak Point in Boosting Vaccination Rate. The mayor of Kansas City, Missouri said Sunday his city is looking to boost its coronavirus vaccination rate by diminishing vaccine hesitancy among young men of minority ethnicities. Mayor Quentin Lucas described Kansas City's failure to surpass a threshold of 40% of residents getting vaccinated as painfully low in an interview on CBS's Face the Nation. Here's his remark. Young men of color is a place where we have incredible weakness right now. That's why we're not only being as creative as possible in how we reach out through traditional media, but also concerts, Mr. Lucas said. We'll be appearing and giving away tickets at hip-hop concerts. (laughs) Um, Have you heard such racism from the Republican Party? Republican governors and so on and so forth. Oh, we'll give you free tickets to hip-hop concerts, young black man, if you will get the vaccine. I I honestly, things like this, I don't, I mean, I do understand it, but I got to say, I don't understand how black Americans continue to believe that the Democrat Party cares about them at all. I mean, why are black Americans still voting for Democrats who say things like this, whether the person saying it is black himself 
or herself or not? We have incredible weakness right now with young men of color. Why? Because they think for themselves? Because they've made a decision that they don't want to get the vaccine because they don't trust the government? And that's on the government's fault and Dr. Fauci's fault, by the way. But here we go, you know, these black folks aren't doing what we tell them to do, and this is a problem. So we're going to buy them off and get them to get the vaccine because we're going to give them tickets to a hip-hop concert. That's how stupid these people are. We'll buy them through going to rap concerts, you know? P. Diddy's coming into town. You can go hear P. Diddy on us if you just get the vaccine. I mean, I, I, it's honestly, this is disgusting and reprehensible to me. The way the Democrats view... The black community, you've heard it from Joe Biden too. They, they think blacks in this country are stupid. They think blacks are incapable of doing anything themselves. That they can't get ahead. Blacks, well, you guys aren't doing what, what we tell you to do, so you, you have a problem, clearly. I mean, this is the plantation mentality, right? I mean, they think that of all of us, the totalitarians, but here it is being, being leveled at, at black Americans again. Just like Joe Biden, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. I mean, these people are absolutely depraved racist. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's astounding, truly. So in addition to blacks being a problem, you know, they, they say that, you know, there's a reason red states, you know, have a problem and have lower vaccination rates, you know. Republicans, too, you know, gosh darn me, Drew Allen here who's thinking for himself and making a decision about his own life and what's best for him. Well, we can't have that because we know what's best for you. And you're the problem, and we're going to discriminate against you. We're going to segregate you. We're going to treat you like a second-rate citizen if you don't get the vaccine. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about something too, folks, with all this. You know, Barack Obama... When he was pushing for Obamacare and people, you know, posed the question, which was realistic and proven through, uh, well, history, what happens when you go to a socialized healthcare system that Obama was pushing. Well, what about, what about the old elderly Americans, you know? Um, you know, what about them? How will this affect them if, if they're 80 or 82 and, and, you know, they can't get, you know, they're turned down for getting treatment? And Obama, of course, you know, basically... His crass response is, is, you know, well, you know, I mean, they're old anyway. They've only got a couple of years. You know, their life is not worth the price. You know, it's too costly. It's not worth spending the money to save an old person's life when they're going to die anyway. That's how they view the elderly. I and mean, we saw Andrew Cuomo and also Gavin Newsom, who signed off on orders, sending COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, which are responsible for, well, tens of thousands of deaths. In America, because, of course, the elderly are always the most vulnerable. They're old. Their bodies are failing. Their immune systems aren't very good. So when they come down with something like a respiratory illness, yeah, they risk dying from it. And so, honestly, I, I, I'm amazed that, that on this issue, you know, suddenly the Democrats are so concerned about saving American lives. I mean, when it comes to the unborn, they don't care. They want late-term abortion. They want to pay for it, not just here, but in other countries, to kill as many innocent babies as possible. They want to encourage abortion. You know, they want the elderly also to be able to kill themselves if they choose so, in addition to 
well, not having a choice about about life or death if they're old and need treatment, but you know, they want the elderly to be able to go to a doctor and say, "All right, assist me in suicide." I mean, since when did Democrats care about them? Suddenly they care about old people? I mean, honestly, I mean, this sounds sick, but this is this is the Democrats' mentality. I mean, what are they so concerned about? They want the old, they don't believe the old really have much life to live or care about them anyway. So what do they care about vaccinations and so on and so forth? The young and healthy aren't going to die from COVID. It's going to be the old people. Wouldn't that accomplish what you're trying to do anyway with your health care plans and assisted suicide? I mean, I know they still dig up Social Security, the threat of Republicans want to take away Social Security to scare them from time to time. But what are they, since when do they care about old people? But anyway, um, I, um, I've got a fun story here for you folks. Have you heard of Chaston, Chaston, Butejidge, Butejidge, Bute Edge Edge? This is the, I, I believe they're married, the husband of Pete Butejidge who, of course, was the once uh, mayor of, well, the mayor of a small town, a small town in, where was it? South Bend, Indiana, I believe. South Bend, Indiana. Well, the Washington Post just did a profile with Pete's husband, whose name is Chasten, Chasten, Buttigieg. And, um... He says that while he and Pete couldn't afford more than a one-bedroom apart, one apartment in D.C. So I'm going to read this from, well, this is the business insider covering this profile. But here's how it reads. Uh, Pete's husband is still adjusting to his new life in the nation's capital, but one thing has become clear to him. The city is too expensive. That's what he told the Washington Post in a in a profile published Monday, the former middle school drama teacher moved from South Bend, Indiana to Washington, D.C. in January for his husband, Pete Buttigieg's new job as President Joe Biden's transportation secretary. One of the couple's favorite pastimes is scrolling through real estate website Zillow, trying to guess the prices of properties in D.C. and then being blown away by the actual cost. We're doing fine for ourselves, and yet the city is almost unaffordable, Chasten told the Post, which tells you how extremely unaffordable it is for many people. The couple resides in a high-end 800-square-foot one-bedroom apartment in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, the Post reported. They secured a longer lease for $3,000 with two months rent-free, according to the outlet. I wonder how many other people get two months rent-free. Sounds like a nice political favor to me. Yet still they complain. They got two months rent-free, but still they complain. It's too expensive for them. We couldn't afford the one-bedroom-plus den, Chasten told the Post. <sighs> the Buttigieg's <laughs> decided on the place because of the security provided and its location, the outlet reported. Well, you probably could have, by the way, gone and found a place that was further away for less. You could have commuted, by the way. He is transportation secretary, is he not? You would think he could understand the train system. You could live outside of D.C. and commute in like many other people do who can't afford to live there. But the transportation secretary, this is Pete, Chasten's husband, well, he brings in $221,400 annually. 
That's more than double the average salary in the city, which is 77000 Chasten was thrust into the national spotlight during the 2020 campaign when his husband Pete, the first openly gay major presidential candidate, was running for the Democratic nomination. Since then, he said Pete has adapted to the Washington insider lifestyle quite seamlessly. Well, I would imagine so. I mean, when you're a Democrat and corrupt, uh, it's very easy to fit in there. It's where you belong. But being his, ho- his high-profile spouse has been somewhat of a struggle, Chasen said. Sometimes I'm like, I'm done. I'm taking a break. I can't be everybody, everything for everybody all the time, Chasen told the Post. Oh, man. So anyway, these, so he literally, I mean, they do a profile on this guy, and what he feels the need to talk about is, is how essentially they're victims, how hard it is, how they're struggling in D.C. It's too expensive for them. These people are so out of touch. Forever victims, it's not enough money. $221,000 isn't enough. I mean, you know, this is what's amazing. You know, the Democrats always have this reputation. It's a lie, by the way, that they are more educated than people on the right. They're more cultured, more articulate, and everything else. And yeah, this guy apparently, who comes from South Bend, Indiana, these two, well, you know, these Democrats are supposed to be well-traveled, knowledgeable. It's like they've never lived in a city, never understood city life anywhere, that the cost is more expensive than South Bend, Indiana. I mean, I've got, I'm gonna give Chasen some free advice. Um, I'm not an accountant, but I well, am a responsible adult who pays for things. And unlike these two, I am a, um, you know, I'm a Neanderthal conservative on the right, but um, I lived in Milan, Italy for over two years. I speak Italian. I went back to Italy, led cycling and hiking tours for two years all over the country there. I spent a lot of time in Italy. I might be better traveled than Chasen Butajic. I mean, this isn't a competition, but I wonder if he speaks Italian. Probably not. Ciao, Chasen. Sei una vittima. Sei una persona che non, che non è contento mai. Because you're a Democrat. So, Chasen, you're, you're a victim. You're never happy, no matter what. Because you're a Democrat. And that's what comes with the territory. So I'm going to give you some advice, though. Ti consiglio, Chasten. Ti consiglio, okay? Ascoltami. Um, you know, you, um, you are a uh, middle school, high school, what did I read? Drama teacher. Doesn't matter. The point is you were a drama teacher in, um, in South Bend, Indiana. And your husband's doing the heavy lifting here because he's making over $200,000 a year. And you're complaining about, um, you know, the city being too expensive for you. But you and your husband, Pete, chose to live in an expensive location. But um, you know what else? So, so here's a couple options for you, Chasten. You can go back to school. Uh, you could try and get a, a job that pays better than drama. I don't know what you expected when you moved to Washington, D.C. as a drama teacher. Um, and you could also do something else. The Buttigieg's, by the way, they sold their home in South Bend earlier this year, and they purchased, they purchased a property on Lake Michigan in Traverse City, where Chaston is from. So they own a home, and now they also have an apartment in D.C., well, you could sell that home, but of course, you don't want to do that. No, you want the home, you want the apartment, you want everything because you deserve it. You're a Democrat. 
Your husband's a transportation secretary who uh, pulls his bicycle out of a, out of a van and then has the, a camera crew film him ride 13 feet to show that he's um, you know, carbon friendly. I, 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 I am so tired of these people. This is who they are, though. These people, always complainers. They're owed something. But actually, I've got another idea. Chasten? You know, Pete, I, I understand that in today's polit political climate, the Chinese are paying up to $500,000 a work, a piece of artwork, for people who've never painted in their lives before. No, no, it's, it's, this is true, Chasten. So, you know, you could get your dream apartment, dream home, be very, very successful. This would be very, very lucrative. Pete should just, just buy him a paint set, bring him a set of paints, bring him a couple canvases. He can, he can throw some paint on that, and you can sell it to a million dollars to the communist Chinese. Just go through uh, Hunter Biden's art dealer. That's right. Go through Hunter Biden's art dealer. I'm sure he could secure you some, some massive, massive deals. You don't have to be good at art. Um, and you don't even have to tell anybody who gave you the money. So, you know, art is the way forward, Chasten, if you don't want to get another job. Um, so there's a solution for you. But speaking of, this segues into my next, my next headline here. This is from Fox News. Hunter Biden's art dealer said he wanted to be the lead guy in China in 2015. So in addition to the obvious corruption and the, the moral problem, ethical violation this poses of Hunter Biden, first-time artist, selling his work to unnamed purchasers and buyers while his father is president of the United States, well, the art dealer who is representing Hunter Biden, well, he has long-standing ties to China. In fact, in 2015, Hunter Biden's art dealer said that he wanted to be the art world's lead guy in China. How perfect is this? How perfect is this? My plan, this is what he said back in 2015, I guess. Uh, my plan is to be the lead guy in China, the lead collector and art dealer, discovering and nurturing talent from that region, Burgess said. I plan to find and discover and bring to the rest of the world those I consider China's next generation of modern artists. Bravo. Bravissimo, Burgess. Bravissimo. You found and discovered, well, China's next generation of modern artists, Hunter Biden. You can sell his work to the communist Chinese, and of course, that won't be quid pro quo. It won't be for anything, right? His art will just shine so beautifully. I mean, Hunter Biden is like, he's the next Picasso, the next Van Gogh. Those guys, Van Gogh, I mean, he didn't even make anything in his lifetime. I mean, Hunter Biden is the Michelangelo of the next generation. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he... He should go and repaint the Sistine Chapel while he's at it, you know? That's old. That was painted by some kind of white guy. I mean, I know he was Italian, but Michelangelo, he wasn't dark-skinned. He was probably a racist. So let's just, let's just chip away. Hunter Biden can, can, can conduct his first foray, his first experiment into fresco painting. I'm sure he'll do wonderfully there. Takes no talent whatsoever. Just, just paint that fresco in the Sistine Chapel, and we'll call it the Biden Chapel from now on. And that would be apropos as well, because, of course, you know, um, well, Biden's such a devout Catholic. They call it the Pelosi Chapel, too, if you want. I mean, she's all about abortion, and that, of course, sits well with, um, with Catholic doctrine. 
But no, 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 she's a devout Catholic as well. You know, it's just those things that she doesn't agree with uh, in the Catholic Church and in the Bible. You know, well, we'll throw those out. Uh, that's okay. My goodness. So anyway, you know, the, of course, the, you know, the problem with this, I mean, it's obvious, but just to restate it. I mean, going through the art dealer, the point is anonymous buyers buy these works. Of course, they could have ties to the communist, Chinese Communist Party. And of course, they could buy those works in an attempt to buy influence in the Biden administration. But, you know, I, I, I'm not, I mean, I am outraged by this. This is an impeachable offense. Um, if we lived in a moral world where right was right and up was up instead of up is down. But, you know, he's already been bought and paid for by the Ch communist Chinese and Ukrainians and Russians and everyone else who's corrupt. I mean, we literally... I mean, there's really very little difference today in terms of our government. Uh, very little difference between them and, well, third world countries. Banana Republicans around this country that are just as corrupt. I mean, that's what we have now in this nation. And that's the problem. Anyway, when I get right back, when I get back, we're going to talk about CNN, this push for climate change. Climate change CNN, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else they're reporting on, but they, they, they published three or four different articles just today. Every, every, every uh, example of inclement weather happening around the world, well, CNN was reporting on. And it was all tied to climate change, of course. But I'm going to absolutely eviscerate that narrative in a minute. And I'm going to actually help uh, you, if you, if you want and need, uh, teach you uh, how to destroy them as well. All right, this is Drew Allen, and um, we're going to be right back. All right, I've got I've to circle back here. Um, it's not that I mean to just jump all over the map, but there's just, there's so many important things that I want to convey to you. And I'm also trying to fit in, you know, more than just COVID, because there's more than just COVID going on. There's corruption and all that and so on and so forth. But I had remarked earlier how I was going to talk about COVID and communism and how I was going to give the Republicans some advice about how, well, about how this vaccination push should become a central campaign issue because it's something that's important to the broader discussion about what's happening here, which is totalitarianism. And the American people like myself conservatives, Republicans, we don't feel like we have anyone who has our backs, anyone who is speaking up in our defense, who is coming to defend us and offer us a voice in politics. We feel unrepresented right now by Republicans. I mean, the issue with the vaccination, I mean, gosh, there's so much that, that, that is concerning that is boiled into that, that COVID weaponization. You've got segregation going on where people are, are, are calling for on national television, on CNN, on NBC, and the rest of these interviews who are saying that the unvaccinated need to be treated badly, essentially need to be bullied, need to be treated I mean, you had a Republican, Kay Ivey, 
the governor of Alabama that I played that clip earlier, who's saying, you know, un the unvaccinated, that we don't have any common sense. You got normal people and then you got the unvaccinated, you know, us Neanderthals who believe in freedom of choice. And we just want to be left alone. We want to be free to live in America, which is our constitutional right, our birthright. And these people have no respect for individual choice. They're all about collectivism, all about tyranny, forcing someone to do something against their will. And the Republicans, by and large, are joining them in that endeavor. Creating a secondary class of citizens who are condemned, who are, well, treated like garbage in this country. And that's really what's going on in this nation. You know, what's interesting to me to remark on is that, you know, you have Cuban protests going on in Havana, and you've got Cuban Americans lined up in the streets of Washington, D.C., protesting, you know, for and favor of Cuban independence, for the American government to get involved over there. But we're rapidly becoming Cuba. That's what's happening in our country. I wish the American people had as much passion to protect freedom in America as they do to promote freedom in Cuba. I don't live in Cuba. Yeah, my heart goes out to those people, but I'm an American and I live here. So do those Cuban Americans. We're becoming Cuba. We need to be protesting in America so that we don't become Cuba. That's where our energy needs to go. That's the protest that we need to be having. And, you know, COVID, it's not going anywhere. If, if you watch the media and listen to the media today, it's almost like deja vu. It's almost like it's March of 2020 again. And they want to do this all over again. Yeah, they'll blame the unvaccinated at the moment. But, I mean, look, if you get vaccinated, a vaccine's supposed to protect you against the virus. And, of course, they say, oh, well, no, it doesn't really protect you against the virus. It just makes the symptoms less. It gives you, improves your odds of survival. Well, if you're not sick, if you don't have underlying conditions, if you're not elderly, you're not going to die from COVID anyway. This is such a scam, and that's why I, I, I genuinely, I, I say this and I mean it. It's a hoax. It is a hoax. It's not a hoax that, the, that COVID exists, but this fear porn campaign is absolutely a hoax. And they're not going to take their foot off the pedal, and they're not going to give this up. They're already laying the groundwork so that if they need to shut us down again for political purposes, they'll do it again. And that's what's happening. The question is, can they keep this alive for another year? Because the Democrats are freaking out. There have been articles coming out. With, with Democrats admitting we're effed going into 2022 midterms, they're going to lose because there's... Po I mean, look, we've got inflation. We've got gas prices that are almost $5, $4.99 in California where I live. I mean, the, the, the middle-class American and the lower-class American is being just bashed 
I mean, their, their wallets are being just picked right now. I mean, prices are going up across the board, and their dollar's not going any further. You know, it's falling short, and people are struggling. Real Americans are struggling. And they're focused on COVID still. But notice something else. They are starting to talk in the media and the Democrat Party like they did throughout the pandemic year. And yet Americans throughout this nation have gone back to relatively normal life, no masks. Businesses are open, they're at full capacity again. And if you just look with your own eyes and ears and your experience around you, everything's fine. Everything is fine. But they're constructing an alternate reality that defies what your own experience is. You go out to dinner, I go out to dinner, I go to work. I live my life now in relative freedom. And people aren't dead on the street. People are still coming to work. Everything is absolutely fine. There is nothing to be afraid of. And yet the Democrats are already constructing a narrative to tell us that things are so dire again. They're so bad. The Delta variant's so bad. COVID's here. Cases are rising. Hospitalizations are increasing. And yet, if you look around you, are things okay? Of course they are. This is one big lie. It's a big scam. And my buddy in radio... Gary Jeff Walker, he, uh, he calls it the scamdemic, and he's absolutely right. And so, you know, the reason this is moving forward in this way, the reason they're keeping this COVID alive with the Delta variant and everything else, not to say there aren't variants, there are, but the reason they're doing this is because, you know, they haven't been able to pass the For the People Act, which would federalize elections, which would give them the ability to mandate mail-in ballots and do what they did in 2020 to steal that election. And so they're desperate. And so if they can put themselves in a position in which they can scare people again and shut us down again before midterms in 2022, well, they can do the mail-in ballot thing again. They can try to make 2020 happen in 2022, and that's what this is about, amongst other things. But this is communism, okay? You know, you have a bunch of elites, politicians, who can on the, well, on a whim, fundamentally change your life. They can shut your business down. They can force you to wear masks on your faces that don't work. Dirty face diapers that do nothing at all. There's nothing they can't do to you. There's no rights they can't steal from you in the name of public health. And communism does that in the name of equality. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to control the means of production. So we're going to control, actually, also what is produced. And we're going to divvy that out in a way that we deem fair. Equality and poverty, equality and misery. But there's something else as well. But they're also using this to divide Americans, which is what they do time and time again, right? They're creating an issue between the unvaccinated 
and the vaccinated. They are dividing America. Why can't they just come out and say, here's the recommendation, here's the information we have about the vaccine and its success. This is what we think. This is our scientific belief, and here's the data. Now, it's up to you to get the vaccine. Well, they won't because they're a bunch of totalitarians. And they've had success with COVID in subverting our constitutional rights and making the American citizen believe that their rights come from them, that they don't come from our creator. And so on and on it goes. But let's have a little fun with climate change. One break and I'll be right back. Well, if you're listening to this program for the first time, you won't know this. If you've been with me for a while, you will know this about me. But I, I frequently read CNN. And I do this because CNN is an apparatus, an extension of the Democrat Party. And I can look to them to understand where the narrative in this country is heading. I can look to them to understand what the Democrat Party plans to do next in this chess match. And something really remarkable. Well, well, I, I noticed something tremendous, I should say, today as I read through CNN throughout the day. Climate change. They are pushing climate change almost as hard as they're pushing COVID. Here was the first headline I read. Here's the headline. As, as wildfires worsen, firefighters are on the front lines of climate change. Well, what is this about? Firefighters in the West have witnessed lost, loss beyond measure and are yet again gearing up for another devastating fire season, especially in California. Jesse Alexander, the chief for the Yuba City Fire Department in California, and his crew have been on the front lines of some of the most destructive California wildfires in history. And he says now the fire is really hitting close to home. During the Camp Fire, that was back in 2018, that's when 85 people um, were killed in the town of Paradise. Well, during the campfire, I looked across at guys who live in paradise, not knowing if their house is there, said Alexander. It's completely different when you are fighting a fire in your own community. We're used to seeing destruction, but when it's in your own backyard, it makes such a significant impact. Well, CNN's using this guy as a tool. They're going to um, add comments that he did not say to make this about climate change. But anyway, here goes CNN. So far this year, California has seen three times the acres burned compared to last year's record-breaking fire season. California is currently in its 11th driest year on record. 11th driest year. 11th driest. That means there have been 10 other years drier than this year. So this is the 11th driest year, but things are worse than they've ever been before. Do you see how stupid these people, these climate uh, um, conspiracy theorists, these CNN morons are. It's the 11th driest year. Well, it's already broken over 1,500 daily high temperature records this year. 17 of those were all-time high temperatures. 11 of the last 15 most destructive fires in California history occurred in the last five years. Well, who cares 
Of course, that get, I live in California, so I know they don't clear out any dead brush. Fire is a part of the natural function of the environment. And in fact, things need to burn to give birth to new life. We learned this in Yellowstone National Park, for example. When you don't clear out things, when you build homes in dry areas that are tender boxes where a match dropped could light things aflame and destroy everything, well, of course you have fires. Anyway, let's keep going with the article for a moment. You know, so look, you know, they, these people are just alarmists, just like with COVID. You know, they, they don't actually give any historical perspective for fires. They don't give any historical perspective about drought or anything else. They're just, they're just looking at this incident and saying this is an example of climate change, man-made climate change, as if drought never happened in the world before this year. Extraordinary plumes of wildfire smoke are billowing out of these massive complexes. In some areas, the smoke has reached the ground level where it can be a health concern. The smoke is visible in several ways at high levels of the atmosphere. Its effect on light causes the sun to look red at sunset. It's actually very beautiful to see, by the way. I actually, um, those are some amazing sunsets when you have that happening, by the way. It's actually a, a marvel to behold. But anyway, they say, Here's, the drought gets worse. Um, despite some much-needed rainfall last week, the drought expanded in the West and now covers more than 95% of the region. In particular, conditions deteriorated in the Pacific Northwest, where there was significant expansion of the West drought categories. How much improvement the recent rain will be for the drought is yet to be seen. And then, you know, they, they piggyback on this, by the way. So not only are they focused on wildfires, wildfires have never happened in American history. They're worse than ever before. And then they get into China floods. China floods kill dozens. Same article. At least 33 people are dead, and several more are still missing in central China. After devastating floods triggered landslides, overwhelmed dams and rivers, and submerged entire neighborhoods, floods have never happened before, folks. You, your breath, your cow flatulation, your own flatulation, that is directly responsible for uh, floods. Floods, fires, hurricanes, all of it. Tsunamis, it's all your fault. It's all our unnatural presence on this earth. The human being, it's our fault. Flooding during the summer months in this region of China is an annual occurrence. Oh, wow, there's an honest admission. However, the record-breaking rainfall has raised questions about whether the country is prepared to deal with more extreme weather events that can be amplified by climate change. They basically say nothing. They just go out of their way to, to you know, cor make some correlation that doesn't exist between our presence and climate change. Here's another article. This is CNN. This is all today. I kid you not. This is amazing. Floods in London are the latest sign big cities aren't ready for climate change. Cars stranded in streets turn to rivers. Bus passengers rescued by raft. Train stations submerged, sparking travel chaos. 
The now familiar scenes of a city inundated by floods played out in London over the weekend when heavy rainfall put parts of the UK capital underwater. It was a brutal reminder that even some of the world's richest cities are dangerously unprepared for the kind of extreme weather that is becoming more common and more severe because of climate change. Now, these people are absolute morons, but I'm an educated, erudite, illuminated, brilliant individual. So I'm going to, um, uh, uh, um, well, I'm going to put these people in their stupid place, these conspiracy theories. Man-made climate change is a conspiracy theory and a hoax. So they're talking about floods, right? How awful this is, how it's a, 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 a well, we're responsible for it. It is an indication of man-made climate change. So let's just, here's the headline from the, the, the one I just read. Floods in London are the largest sign big cities aren't ready for climate change. The year 1212, okay? No, I mean, 1212, the year 1212. 60,000 people are killed in the North Sea flood. St. Lucia's flood. This happened on December 12, 1287. This killed between 50,000 and 80,000 people in the Neanderthals. Neanderthals, sorry. CNN writers are Neanderthals, but this happened in the Netherlands and North Germany. The Yangtze River flood. Yangtze, I don't speak Chinese, Mandarin, either of the, any of the languages in China. But this happened in 1911 in China. Now, Yangtze, it's the third longest river in the world, right? So it flooded in 1911 and it it claimed up to 100,000 lives. 1911. In 1935, the same river in China flooded, killed more than 145,000 people. Is it possible that rivers just flood? That's part of nature when you get rainfall. You know, it's amazing. In California, when there's no rainfall, that's climate change. When you're in London or China and there is rainfall, that's climate change. Do you realize how stupid how low IQ, low IQ these individuals are. But let's get back to London because London, 2021. Oh my gosh, we're ill-prepared for climate change from flooding in London. Well, have you heard of the great 1928 flood in London? 1928, nearly 100 years ago, just under. Well, the Thames flooded, the River Thames. That's the river because as we know in society, we build civilizations around water sources. So you have the Thames that flows through London. Well, the Thames flooded in 1928, at midnight, and the river burst its banks. The House Parliament, the Tate Gallery, the Tower of London, they were all swamped, just like in 2021. They were, you know, much of the city was under four feet of water in 1928. January 7th, by the way, of 1928. And they were ill-prepared for climate change back then, too. And in the wake of this flood, guess what they did? They raised the embankments. So this is not novel. This is not new. This is not something that doesn't happen in history. It does happen. It's called weather, okay? But let's get into the wildfires, right? So wildfires now. The worst wildfires in history is evidence of, you know, drought. That's man-made climate change too. Floods are climate change. Drought is climate change. Well, Let's look at the worst fires in recorded history. Guess when they took place? 1871. 
1871, the Peshtigo Fire. October 8th, 1871. It was in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. The cause of it was drought, because fires are generally a result of drought. Well, there were 1,500 deaths. 85% of the town's population died on October 8th, 1871, because of a fire, because of a drought. 1871. But drought, oh, it's never happened before. How about the Great Michigan Fire? That happened also on the same date, October 8th, 1871. So not only was Wisconsin dry, but so was Michigan. Same day, different fire. It began on the eastern shore of Lake Michigan, and then it spread throughout the northern part of the, of the peninsula. Do you know when the deadliest fire, wildfire of the 20th century occurred? That would be October 10th, 1918 in Carleton County. You notice how all these wildfires are starting in October? Interesting correlation there. Could it be that, I don't know, there's a lack of rainfall, October is a time for things to go up in flames? Carleton County, Minnesota, 20th century, 1918, 453 casualties. It was hot and dry, and rail, railroad workers noticed a passenger train that sparked a small fire in the fields. Well, it blew up. This stuff happens. It's always happened. Not to mention, by the way, you know, if I can recall from my, uh, well, I am a Christian, but if I can recall from my studies of the Old Testament, well, I believe in ancient history in Egypt, there was drought and famine. Yes, 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 yes. For the Christian-hating left, perhaps they love the, the musical um, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, I believe it is. Well, of course, there were seven years of drought and famine. And, you know, Joseph had these dreams, these, 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 these dreams sent to him, these visions by God to tell him what to predict in the future. And he told the Pharaoh, which led to his, you know, rising through the ranks and becoming a, uh, well, you know, the right-hand man of the Pharaoh. Well, he said, look, seven years of drought are coming. So seven years before, they started to build um, uh, vast storages of grain to prepare for it. Seven years of drought back then. Was that man-made climate change as well? I don't think back then, in the B.C. years, more than 2,000 years ago, they had cars and automobiles. I don't believe they could blame climate change climate events on, well, humans' presence? No. They had drought and famine even back then. Seven years they had this occur. But we're supposed to believe, based on CNN, that everything's getting worse today. It's never been so bad as today because of mankind's unnatural presence on this earth. Do you want to know how I deal with the stupid, ignorant, indoctrinated left who has an IQ of about 16? The earth is 4.54 billion years old. That's billion with a B, according to their own scientists. This, this earth was born of fiery molten lava, uninhabitable at conception. We've had a series of ice ages. 
In fact, at the Arctic, at one point, there were palm trees and crocodiles. That was long before mankind's unnatural presence. Of course, no palm trees and crocodiles can live there now. 50 million years ago, the surface temperature, average surface temperature of the Earth was believed to be 90 degrees. We're not even close to that today. And in fact, climatologists back then would tell you that the volcanic eruptions that led to these high temperatures, well, they canceled out the Ice Age. So, you know, you couldn't live here because it was too cold, and then it was too hot, but, you know, man wasn't here anyway. Not to mention the meteor that hit the Earth and destroyed the dinosaurs. If only Democrats had been here to warn the dinosaurs. If only Democrats had been here to save the world from a meteor the size of Manhattan, which eliminated, well, life as they knew it, the dinosaurs back then. Had, had only the, the climatologists and Democrats been here to, to, to save the day when the meteor hit. And then, of course, the only point that really matters when these Branch Davidian-esque climate conspiracy theorists suggest that they definitively know and can prove that we're responsible for climate change. Well, of course, if you go back to the 70s, they were predicting global cooling. You know, you had these uh, ski, ski apparel companies, winter apparel companies who were giddy with excitement, right? Ooh, everything's getting cold. It's going to cold. We're heading to a new ice age. We're going to sell so many ski jackets. But then they had their hopes dashed because the climatologists who had been predicting a apocalyptic winter, well, suddenly they realized the earth was actually warming, not cooling. Ah, I feel so bad for those, those giddy um, ski apparel companies. They could have made a well, they could have reaped a windfall. But then the, uh, they decided the, the, the climate was, was warming, global warming, right? And these people would have you believe, we, we, have, we have surface temperature data that we've been recording since the 1880s. It's 2021. So based on roughly 141 years of surface temperature data, 141 years out of 4.54 billion years, they claim, they have the audacity to claim unscientifically, based on 141 years out of 4.54 billion years, that because there is fluctuation in temperature, because it's getting slightly warmer, that that's because of us. Despite the fact that 50 million years ago, the average surface temperature is believed to have been 90 degrees. These people are cultists. They should be laughed out of any room when they broach the topic. Climate change is the greatest threat. You know, they, they predicted the Maldives were going to be underwater and Manhattan was going to be underwater by 2001, by 2013, by 2015. They predicted, you know, 
a nuclear winter before that. I mean, these people are an absolute joke. And meanwhile, they ride around, you know, the advocates like John Kerry, like Barack Obama, who buys a house literally on the coast, even as he tells us that sea levels are rising, are going to destroy the planet. We're all going to be submerged like Atlantis. Well, they don't seem to care at all. They also, by the way, don't seem to care about COVID. Have you noticed that? The border is wide open. Illegal immigrants are pouring across our border in unprecedented numbers in American history who are bringing disease and COVID with them. Joe Biden is his secretly, we know that he has been secretly flying these people into the interior of the United States of America in violation of the law, aiding and abetting illegal immigrants to go into the center of the country. Meanwhile, they tell us that the unvaccinated American is the greatest threat in terms of the pandemic, right? We're the problem. Meanwhile, they fly in and allow COVID-positive illegal immigrants to come in here, no problem. That should tell you everything you need to know. This is an absolute scam and a hoax. It's a political weapon by them to divide and destroy America, to give them ammunition going into 2022, to, in the absence of Trump, find an issue to get everyone riled up about, right? And the Democrats will. The Democrat voter will get riled up. I mean, that was the big campaign issue of of 2020, right? I mean, in addition to everything else they lied about, they, they, they blame Trump for every death in this country. Every death in America was blamed on Donald Trump. Now they don't have Trump, but they still have COVID they can use. And that's what they intend to, intend to do. All right. Hope this has been informative. I'm going to take one more short break. We'll come back. We'll close out this program. As I uh, sit here and I am preparing to close out this program, Well, of course, more news of totalitarianism breaks in America that has my blood boiling. The CDC, the the apparatus of the totalitarian regime to give uh, recommendations, the artifice of science to the Democrat Party and our ruling elite to make decisions about how we live our lives and to uh, treat us like they're, they're... inanimate pawns, their toys, their playthings. The CDC has, of course, come out now with their new recommendations, and they recommend that everyone in K-12 schools wear a mask, regardless of their vaccination status. Kids are not... Well, they not, aren't a segment of the population that is at risk at all. There's a statistical 0% chance of a child dying from covid But there are plenty of examples of them getting the vaccine and developing heart problems, which lead to death. The CDC is also urging vaccinated people in certain areas of the country to resume wearing masks because of COVID-19. This is absolute insanity. I just want you to know that that we have unscientific people, non-scientific people with nothing to back them up. This is absolute propaganda. The CDC are shills, hacks for the totalitarians that want to keep this COVID crap going. 
Tomorrow they could say, oh, we'll lift masks. This is arbitrary. It's nothing. It's a game for them, a power grab. They're having so much fun sitting behind their closed door sessions saying, hmm, what should we do to the American people next? Let's, uh, let's, let's, ah, oh, this is so fun. Let's, it's a game. Let's, they can wear two masks. Tell them two masks. No, 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 don't do that. One mask, one mask. But next week, next week, wait, wait. Should we, should we include the K through 12s? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. You know, that would be awesome. Let's have, let's have the K through 12. They have to wear it because they'll be really scared. That'll really keep the, as I say this, this is what this, this masking is about. When people don't wear masks on their face, they are not afraid. When people don't wear, on the, wear masks on their face, well, obviously there is a correlation, a communication between the behavior and how your brain comprehends what's actually happening. I mean, it's like putting on football pads when you go out to play football. Well, you're, you're expecting that you're going to get rocked. You're going to get hit. You're going to be in a, well, a, a violent game. And so you anticipate I mean, when you wear a mask on your face, it creates fear. And that's what they want. The masks are about continuing the fear. K through 12 schools wear a mask. So now kids are going to be taught that their lives are at risk every day. They're being trained. They're being indoctrinated to believe, well, that their rights come from the government. That's what this is really about. With the K through 12 people that, that are not at risk at all, this is about teaching them, you are our BITC, you know what. The government says, jump, you say, how high. That's what this is doing to our children. And it's doing it to many other Americans as well. I just want to see what else this article says before I lose my mind. The new guidance comes about two months after President Joe Biden declared it a great day in America when the CDC revised its mask guidelines for vaccinated people and reflects a psychological setback for a country struggling to emerge from the grips of the pandemic. There we go. That's what I was just saying. And they let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. A psychological setback. This is psychological. That is why these masks are at play again. Because so long as we are wearing masks... It means the virus is real. It means it's out there. It means it could attack us at any moment and kill us. This is outrageous. Don't do it. Don't wear the freaking mask. If you put a mask on your K-12 year old, you're committing child abuse. I'm going to put that out there and say it very clearly. I believe that. That's absolutely true. If you put a mask on your child, you are a horrible parent. And I don't care, the CD says, the government says. The government used to say that blacks couldn't eat in restaurants. And if you were a white business owner who went along with that, guess what? You're the problem. So we need to grow a pair here, and this is a, a, a battle we have to fight right now. Because we will not be treated this way in America. We will not tolerate this type of abuse and this totalitarianism. It stops today, now. All right, on that note, I'm going to close out. And I'll be back with you soon, I'm sure, because uh, I've got a lot to say, and this isn't going anywhere. And we've got to fight this tyranny every step of the way. You know, this is getting very, very serious. And uh, the time to fight, well, was yesterday. But we've got to make up for lost ground. All right, this is Drew Allen. Thank you for listening.